The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when His blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in His precious blood, my sin to atone, and I started singing, Bibles to 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter. That's the one just before 2 Peter. Oh, we're deep theology here at the gospel. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. This is an expositional type message. I preach all kinds of different ways. If you know me at all, I try to be, I may not be, but I try to be creative. I ask God for creativity regularly. And I ask him for new ways to get the gospel to people. Ice cream bus ministry, uh, the flea market ministry, a couple ideas that he gave to me through other people, through being touched by other people. And so this is expositional, and that's not the only way to preach, uh, for sure. It was topical a few weeks ago. Uh, God uses all different kinds of preaching if you'll go to the Bible and get your source from the Bible. He loves to bless His Word. Let's read real quickly these first nine verses, and let me make some comments about them. Wherefore, laying aside, I want you to see, if you, if you circle or mark your Bible, and some of you don't, but if you have an electronic Bible, it'd be a little tough, but you can highlight it. Wherefore, laying aside all. How much? All malice, and how much guile? All guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and how much evil speaking? Now really, you could put an all in front of each one of those words, if I understand English right. You could say all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies, all envies, and all evil speakings. As newborn babes, and we just had one today, 4.30 this morning, Abigail, born to Corey and Cassandra Phillips, 7.2 pounds, 2 ounces, 19.5 inches long, born in a natural manner. And uh, praise God for that answered prayer. And everything went well. And I know what he feels like. He's like deer in the headlights, man. He worked, yeah, he worked all day. And then he got the call and he stayed up all night and, and you know, he, well, he's just like, now he's got this new child he's never met before, 
that is now his responsibility for a lifetime. By the way, when you have a child, it's a lifetime commitment. You think, oh, no, they're 18, get out of the house. Yeah, they may get out of the house, I hope. (laughs) You don't raise a kid to stay with you. You raise a kid to leave. And so they leave, and that's just, it's a little blessing. But it's not over when they walk out the door. That's just, sometimes that's just the beginning of the responsibility you have with them, even though you're not their boss anymore. Praise God. Hallelujah. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. He also, as living, lively or living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, and wherefore is always there because of what was ahead of it, wherefore also it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, unto them which be disobedient, the stone, he is the stone which the builders disallowed, the same as made the head of the corner. A stone of stumbling, that's to those who don't believe. A rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I sense there's a little echo maybe in this this morning, and maybe the foldbacks, make sure all the foldbacks and everything are cut off, and the floor monitors just have them barely on. We're becoming more and more peculiar. I'm 63 years old. I was saved at 5 rededicated my, myself to Christ and really gave myself to Christ at 18. And I have, through the years notice, as time is passing, I'm feeling more and more peculiar, uh, strange in this maybe definition. The homosexual marriages are extremely strange to me and peculiar. Homosexual adoption. No prayer in school since 1968. Abortion legalized, I think, in 73 or so. Uh, Aborting babies because they're simply an inconvenience or not quite at the right time. Death penalty being abandoned. Lawlessness in our cities. These are what make me feel peculiar. Some of the things that make me feel peculiar. Immorality among our politicians and preachers. Pornography in every area you look. Women preachers. No spanking in schools or home. Disrespect for authority in every direction. These are the things, some of the things are making me feel strange and odd. Pedophile crimes. Spring break 
that the heathen says, I just heard this, by the way, on TV. This is from the heathen, talking about spring break. Spring break that the heathen says would make Sodom and Gomorrah blush. That's what they said about college spring break. When I trusted Jesus fully as my Savior, and began, he began a process. He, he, it was a miracle, like birth is a miracle, boom, that's conception. And then nine months later, approximately nine months later, you have birth. He's already been, the, the life was given at conception, it, boom, it happened. The sperm and the cell come together, it's a life. 46 chromosomes, boom, it's not going to be any more of a life, that's it. And then it grows inside the woman, and then eventually she births it. But it's a growth after the boom of conception is a process. So life consists of a boom, an act that's a miracle, and then a process of growth. That's your spiritual growth and my spiritual growth. When I realized that I was a sinner, that I had sinned against God horribly in so many areas, unable to change even one of those things, I was not able to do good works and somehow please God because I wouldn't make up for all the bad stuff I ever did if I could do that, but I couldn't. I realized that I was a sinner, unable to save myself by any amount of good works. And I realized that Jesus had come and he had died on the old rugged cross for me, in my place, to satisfy the punishment that my sin merited. And he took it upon himself. And God the Father, in sealing of that, resurrected his son and said, of all the people that claim to be Christ, this is the one. And I said, that's the one. I believe Jesus is the one. And he offered me salvation by simple faith. Believe me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in me should not perish but have everlasting life. I said, yes, I want that. And I bowed, as it were, in my spirit, in my soul to Christ and said, please save me. At that moment, a miraculous birth happened. Boom! A miracle. A one-time forever act. Boom! I was saved. And since that moment to this moment, a process has been going on called sanctification, big theological word. But I've been continually and am being sanctified. That is, he's washing the world out of me. He's washing the world out of me. And this verse has been coming up lately in my preaching and in my thinking, Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, where it says, who gave himself for our sins, that's Jesus, that he might deliver us from the present evil world. That's that peculiar stuff that I mentioned just before. All that list and so much more. He says, I am going to deliver you from all that stuff I mentioned, all that sin, all that strange things. I'm going to deliver you from not only that, but what's in you as sin, which is the first verse we, we read this morning about the malice, about the evil speaking. Is it not easy to speak evil? Is it not easy to find fault with each other? Is it not easy to pick on each other? 
I find that easy. I find that natural. The old man in me, he, he loves a good old fight. I got saved, and God has begun to sanctify me. That's what this is talking about. When I trusted Christ fully, he began to wash. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God, our Father. The washing is a process, and it's instantaneous. It starts as an instantaneous miracle. It ends as it's a process till eventually I am raptured up, or I die and get to go be with Christ, because the Bible says absent from the body is present with Christ. It begins in this way. And God wants to wash the unholy out of me and replace it with holy. That's what God's doing to every Christian in this room. He's he's by His grace and through the reading of His Word, and it's multifaceted and it's fairly complicated, but God through the Holy Spirit and His Word is trying to wash out the unholy and replace it with holy. What's holy? That's who He is. Holiness is not something God wears. It's something he is. It's who he is. And so we say it this way, to be made Christ-like. That's the way we say it. My sheep hear my voice and they what? Follow me. Become like me. They want to do what? And so how do you know when somebody's really born again? They have this internal desire like a newborn babe has for milk. Amen? I know one thing, Troy, when he was born, he loved to eat. The Adam, the Caps kid, that kid loves to eat. That is one that, that's, that, that, your child reminds me a lot of what Troy was when he was small. He was just loved to eat. He was happy. He was joyful. Every time you bring your child in for, for bus meeting, he's, she's happy. She's, you know, it's, it's just kind of, I'm thinking that's, that's the way it's supposed to, and that's the way we as Christians are supposed to be. Amen. We're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to be hungry. We're supposed to be seeking the things of God. You say, I don't have that. Maybe you didn't get birthed yet. Maybe you sure truly have been, yes, you're religious. Maybe you know about Jesus. Maybe you got all your facts down. But maybe you've never come to Christ and repentant with your heart, repentant towards the things that you've done against him. And you have looked to Jesus and Jesus only as your Savior and said, Jesus, save me. Maybe you've never done that. If you haven't, do it. Do it. Because God will come in and begin to transform you by renewing of your mind through the Word of God and the process, the whole thing. Push out the old and bring in the new. Begin to, uh, I, think of a, I think of a single seed. I've been to a lot of cemeteries, I'm sorry to say. Buried over 150 folks. I've been to a lot of cemeteries and one thing I noticed about these old cemeteries, and I liked it by one way, on a motorcycle trip, Tom and I once in a while on a motorcycle trip, we stop by cemeteries. We literally go out, and we go, by, we go the back of the back roads. And we stop by these old churches who literally so many of their members have died, they don't have any place to park. They have buried their members around the building. And so we stop and we look at these things, and I've noticed once in a while there'll be a, there'll be a headstone and, and, a, and an oak tree like this, you know, like a hundred and some odd years old, will have grown and literally pushed the headstone over and taken over that whole grave area. That's what God wants to do with you. It starts as a seed. That oak tree was just a seed that a squirrel put in his mouth and said, I'll think I'll eat it later. 
You know squirrels are God's planters. They take the seeds and they say, I'm not hungry now, but I will be later, so I'll go plant it. And I'll plant it about two and a half inches deep. And they go like this. They put it just at the right depth. And I've seen them, well, that's not deep enough. I'll do a little bit more. Eh, I'll do a little bit more. And they'll put the seed in there, and then they do this. They literally cover that seed. Now, you can't do it better than that. God says, go plant all them seeds. I got oaks all over my property growing up. They're about five, six feet high now, and it's from the squirrels planting the seeds of the oak trees that I originally planted 15 years ago. And now I'm going to have an oak forest if I live so long. God's seed comes in when you're birthed and you ask Jesus to save you. You recognize him as the only one. And it begins to push out slow, sometimes pretty slowly, but it's moving and moving, just like that seed. I look at that big old oak tree, and I think that was a seed one day, and this was a big old granite uh, headstone. This was big, you know, five, 600-pound headstone, not even man. One man could even move it, and that tree and its movement has, has pushed that thing away. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to come in, and he wants to push the world out. Let the holy come in. Verses one through see we, we, one through three, we see the prerequisite to tasting of God's fullness. You have to make a choice as a Christian. When you trust Christ as your Savior, you can't have Jesus and the world. You can't have those two. It, nobody ever has successfully inculcated Jesus and the world together. Just get it clear in your mind. It won't work for you either. It won't work for anybody because where Jesus comes in, the world's got to go out. And if you're full of the world, Jesus is not welcome in that environment. So we see in verse 1 here, it says, Wherefore, now the you is understood. You lay aside all your malice. Malice, that's badness, trouble, naughtiness. Lay aside all your guile. That's deceit, wile, bait, trickery that we have. Lay aside all of your hypocrisies. That's dissimulation and living like an actor. It's not real. Feigned. Lay aside all your envies. That's ill will. That's your jealousies. That's your your spite and all of that bad bad feeling one towards another. Lay aside all evil speaking. That's defamation. Look at the word up. Defamation. Backbiting. Lay, lay that all aside. Quit defaming people. Quit backbiting. Don't do it. What is the big deal, preacher? Why would he start this passage out with that? Well, because where those things are, there is an atmosphere for the flesh and for discord and for war and for strife, and there can be no progress for spiritual growth or life with those things present. In this church, in your family, in your marriage, in your friendship, in any interpersonal relationship that you want to put together, if those things are present, there is a presence of division and of war and of every evil thing. And brother, you and I, 
We got to get it and get it clear. You can't live with those things in your life. You can't entertain those things in your life. But you know, they all come natural, don't they? They all come with the old man. They're there. You don't have to teach a kid to love. You don't have to teach. I hate to say this to you, to, to two young couples, sweet young couple with a sweet little child. That child's full of these. Full of other stuff too, but full of these. Strife breeds strife. Evil accusations breed evil accusations. Malice breeds badness and malice. The Holy Spirit in that environment is grieved, and indeed he's even quenched. And without the Holy Spirit, we're shot. We're kaput. Kaput. We're done. We can't go on. We got to have the Holy Spirit. So in verse 2, he says, in verse 1, he says, get rid of these things. Make a choice that you're not, you're not going to let those things inhabit you. And if you have them come out, you're going to repent of them and turn from them. What is repentance? Repentance is change of direction. Okay, I, I have malice. Ooh, malice is wrong. God, I, I, was, I had malice. I, I repent of it. I turn back to God. That's what it is. You got to do that. Make the choice. So he says, change your self-image. That's what verse 2 is. He says, become an infant needing sustenance from God. Don't look at yourself like a big shot. Look at yourself like a nothing, an infant, a newborn baby, helpless, hapless, and hopeless. <laughs> I mean, a newborn baby. I mean, you just, you just, you've got to dote upon God to get help. You've got to look at him for help. A baby totally, your child, totally is relying, up, thank you for sitting in the front, totally relying upon you too. Totally reliant. Totally. Go to God like you're an infant. I can't do anything without you, God. I can't talk without you. I can't walk without you. I can't eat without you. Without you, I'll starve to death. I got to have you. And you know what God will do? He'll do what the caps are doing to their kid. And brother, they are doing it. You see that little child like a Michelin man. That kid's got fat on fat. I like a big old, grab those old fat legs. You don't get that way without tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. When you come to God as an infant, not as a big shot, not as a, not, hey, I'm, 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 I'm a real asset to your kingdom, God. No, no, you don't come to God that way. You come to God as an infant, as a baby, doting upon him, saying, I got to have it. If you don't give it to me, I'm going to die. And then God will give you some truth. He'll give you the Holy Spirit. He'll give you some wisdom. He'll begin the sanctification process. The food will come. And brother, brother, once you taste of the heavenly food, this junk, it's horrible. Go out in the world and sin and try to see how it treats you. You'll come back to Jesus and say, Woo! I'll tell you, I love Christians. They've been out in the world a little while. 
and they get born from heaven and they don't want to go back. Sometimes it's hard for Christians that don't go out into the world, don't go out into the vileness of the world to realize how bad it is because all they know is what they've read in the book about it. Yes, they have the internal sins and yes, they have all that, but sometimes they just think that maybe sin's not as bad as it is, but the people who've been out in sin will say, Amen, preacher, sin's as bad as it says it is. I love the kindness of God, the sweetness of God, and the genuineness of God, and the purity of God, and the honesty of God, and and the loveliness of God, and the strength of God, and all these are His attractors. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And He is good. We see in verse 4 and verse 6 through 8 a perspective of Jesus, to whom coming as in a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. He gives a perspective here. From the perspective of the believer, he says, God, Christ is a living stone. He's chosen of God. He's precious. He is a chief cornerstone. He is the elect. He's, and by the way, it says precious twice. And I don't think nothing in God's word is accidental. Precious. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have him and have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather have him. I'm just going to make the words up. With his nail scarred hand. Hey, it rhymes. Then to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords to pay. How about you? I believe it's true. Now, from, the, from our perspective as a believer, we look at Jesus in a, oh, a sweet way. But the world looks at him disallowed, rejected of men, stone of stumbling, rock of offense. Brother, the things of God, we are making a huge mistake in Christianity in America where they're trying to get along with the world. They're trying to somehow package Christianity and Christ to where the world's going to like it. They cannot like it. By their very nature, they hate it. They can't go against their nature. The only way that they can begin to like what Christ is and who He is and what He offers is to come and repent of their sins and ask Him to be their Savior. And when they're born into the family of God by that instantaneous miracle and the Holy Spirit enters them and begins the process of pushing the world out, then they begin to love Jesus and the Word of God. What we are to him is found in, in uh, verse 5 and verse 9. Look at that. Verse 5 says, You're living stones, lively stones. Build up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Two things he says there we're supposed to do. Uh, let me read in verse 9. And be you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him. So two things. We're to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. God is going to ask you as a born-again believer to sacrifice. 
Get ready. He's going to ask you to sacrifice. Spiritual sacrifices. Yeah. And then those, once having been done, will show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous, marvelous light. So the process of washing the world out of you begins at birth in Christ. And as we obey that and as we comply with that, and as we make spiritual sacrifices for him and do his will and go where he wants us to go and be what he wants us to be, that begins to well up within us and show forth the praises of him who saved us. What causes those crazy Christians to go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, go drive buses and pick boys and girls up and, and start uh, uh, faith missions and, and, and child uh, uh, children's homes? And, and, and what, what causes them to build hospitals and help people? And what causes them? What, what motivates all? It, it becomes to the praise of him who gave us the salvation. We praise him who saved us. And then he says, because I'm transforming you into my image, I'm a living stone, and so are you. Uh, I'm a spiritual house, and so are you. I'm a holy priest, and so are you. I'm chosen, and so are you. I'm a royal priest, and so are you. I'm holy, and you're a holy nation. I am peculiar, and you're a peculiar people. The word in Greek in the word peculiar is interesting. It's a circle with a dot in the middle. That's the word peculiar. If you do a word picture of it, it's a circle with a dot in the middle. That means God has surrounded us. Peculiar. We're surrounded by God. God now looks on me as his child and takes care of me. Boy, what a beautiful feeling it is to know God cares about me and you. Nobody cares for me in this world. It's dog-eat-dog. Yes, it is out there. And yes, that's the human nature. But Christian, and and first of all, as you become a Christian, Christ himself looks upon you as his own, as his son, and puts you in the middle of that circle with him all the way around us, and he's taking care of me all the way, all the way. Song, all the way my Savior leads me. Oh, so many good things have been written about that. You can't have the world, though. There's a group of people out there that are claiming to be Christian and say that they can have the world, look like the world, be hip like the world. You know, there are literally a group of people out there right now that I just I just saw an article on this that are getting tattooed up and and pierced up, and hog rings, and call that what you want, that's a hog ring, an old farm boy. And they do hog rings, and, and putting all kinds of junk in them, and tattooing themselves, just so that they can relate to the world. Well, the world wants to come out of that jazz. The world wants to shed that stuff. Because that's the signs of death. Has your birthright changed? Has your father changed? Has your essence changed? Has your destination changed? If it has, live in it, brother. Ask God to help you see it, rejoice in it, dwell in it, meditate in it, sacrifice yourself for it, and then show forth these praises by it. Glory to God. Give yourself to Him, 
And I can tell you this, from 18 years old to 63 years old, as God's process is not over with me, but as it continues to go down the road, I'm beginning to see clearer, clearer, and clearer. And, and as, as old Pilgrim said, I believe I can see a little bit of the celestial light. Some of you people got to be real close. Maybe you can even hear the angels singing over the wall. The Christian life gets better and better. Listen, I've been around lots of old people for a long time. It's just the nature of South Florida. Average mean age, 58 years old. And I've been in, in Gospel Baptist here, and it was mostly inhabited by World War II folks. They're all gone. And as they got closer and as they lived longer in Christ, I was 28 years old when I came here, I began to see that the Christian life, as it progresses, gets better and better with time. Sweeter and sweeter. More tender, more, more. oh man. And the, and the things that I saw, is that, but why? I was seeing people down the road a ways in the Christian life where the, a lot of the world had been washed out of them and been replaced by the holiness of Christ and God. And when I saw that, I said, that tastes good. In other words, taste is smell. Taste is not just taste. Your tongue only tastes salt and sweet, if I get this right. But you really taste by your nose. You taste by smell. So the things of God, going with the sermon I preached the other week, God smells good. The things of God are just good. Wholesome. I get up in the morning without a guilty conscience of what I did the day before. With the fun that God lets you have in this world is a pure to where it's good the next day. And the next day, you don't have to do it and go, boy, I'm sure, ooh, I'm going, oh, I feel horrible what I did. So much of the world suffers. Defile conscience. You don't have that in Christ. You don't have the guilt. You pillow your head upon, you pillow your head at night and say, praise the Lord, hallelujah for sleep. It's sweet, sweet. Do you know Christ here this morning? Are you living for him? Have you, have you thrown every? You know what a lot of, I'm, I'm telling you, I know some of you, and I know some of you need to do this. You need to throw yourself 100% in for Jesus. You're just holding out. You're just pulling yourself. You just haven't given your life over to Christ. What I did at 18 years old uh, in my bedroom at 2003 Casaba Street in Elkhart, Indiana, where I said, Lord Jesus, I'm nothing, but I give you what I have and what I am and whatever potential I may have. I, I, I finally just... Gave myself to Christ. And wow, that's been a good decision. It's been getting better and better and better and better and better and better as He's helped me and washed me. And, and, and the malice is, is, and the evil speaking is getting washed out and, and, the, and, the, and the junk and the garbage begins to leave and, and the, the sweetness of God Himself replaces it. Why don't you say yes to Jesus? I mean, when I say yes, I don't mean get saved. You're already saved. But I mean, give him everything you have. And when he says sacrifice for me, you say, no problem. What do you want? I'll be glad to do it. He says, drive a bus. Drive a bus. Go door to door. I'll be glad to. For what you did for me, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Praise the Lord. The sweetness of it all.
Father, we pray in Jesus' name you'd help us. That we as born-again Christians may become living stones. That we may be the holy nation, the royal priesthood that he has created us to be. Father, do your sanctifying work. Do your multiplying work. We pray that this morning, this morning in this body of believers, there be one that life's left you empty, left you hurt, left you sour, sour. Left you wanting maybe to commit suicide. You don't have to live that way. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. If you'll come unto him like a little child and say, God, have mercy upon me as a sinner. Save me. And that little grain of belief, that little mustard seed, a a grain of a salt seed of faith, he'll birth you from. Why don't you come to him today? Father, we pray that you give courage to those who the Spirit of God is speaking to this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. All the praise belongs to him.